Hey friends, welcome to Inside the Orchard. We are the Campbells. I'm Charles. And I'm Candy. And this is our little experiment to share with you all things apples, faith, and family. We planted our first trees in 2019 and continue to add to our orchard. We're excited to have you join with us as we watch the orchard and our lives grow and change. We hope this podcast will pique your curiosity about apples, challenge you to think about your faith, and equip your family. Welcome back to another edition of Inside the Orchard Season 2. And uh, we are setting here on a cold fall, almost winter evening. Yeah? Yeah, it's been pretty pretty cold. The apple trees love that, though, so I'll take, I'll take the cold temps. Absolutely. We're basically done. All the apples are off the trees. The leaves are pretty much off the trees. So we're just now kind of in a season of just hanging out when it comes to the apple orchard, wouldn't you say? Exactly. We are about ready to put in our order for our Westfield Seek No Further, uh, the replacement for the tree that died last year. And we might have to do the same with our Grimes Golden. Uh, yeah. It's not looking good, is it? It is not looking good. And our yeah. Apple expert from North Carolina gave us the same sad yeah. news. Yeah. So. Which happens with your trees. So, yep. yeah. So for uh today's interview that you're going to listen to we actually recorded this way back in the spring so some of the references will be from the spring but it's with our good friend Carmen Halsey and uh, looking forward to just you enjoying uh, this time that we had with her and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy the interview. Carmen is a blessing to women especially in the state of Illinois and so enjoy. Hey welcome back to Inside the Orchard uh, season two. Uh, We're excited to get going this year and got a whole great series of people lined up one of those guests we have with us today, our friend Carmen Halsey. And uh, welcome, Carmen. It's good to have you on Inside the Orchard with Candy and I. Thank you. I'm excited to be inside the orchard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So we're recording this in the middle of the winter, so it's kind of cold and there's not a lot going on with the orchard right now. But um, uh, one of the things that we did over the break, uh, or at least I have, and Candy and I are still kind of processing it together was we read this book called Flourishing by Stephen R. Graves and um, one of the chapters was on just um, prosperity and prosperous but also contentment and um, so just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better tell us um, a little bit about your story where you and Keith um, came from and um, your journey and where you are now. Sure, sure. Um, My husband, Keith, um, we were raised, I was raised in Eastern Kentucky. So married when I was 17, right out of high school. Um, Keith was a couple years ahead of me. So um, we were married 35 years and um, I jumped into healthcare. So did a two year RN degree and associate's degree. Um, Keith, because we're a small community, a a local hospital took us in under their wings as two young kids and trained us. So Keith sort of entered into that healthcare pathway too as an EMT in the emergency room and then just kind of found his way back to school and ended up as a respiratory therapist. So healthcare healthcare was where we hung out by, you know, Mm -hmm. for a lot of years. Um, Keith was not a believer until he was 32. So at 32 years old, he gave his life to Christ and it was, he was a good guy, but he was a good godly guy now and life just transitioned then and God got his heart. And, um, it wasn't too many years later, he definitely got a heart for missions, but God called him to preach. And that brought us into, um, into church world. And I continued to grow in the healthcare world. Um, um, I wouldn't have known to call it leadership development then, but just a lot of training and equipping and um, helping 
different campuses. I did a lot of quality and a lot of risk. And just, I have to, I have to pause and say, God put me at tables. I wasn't qualified to be. And I just thought that's what it was. And I just absorbed it. And then, you know, um, later went back to school and, um, got a degree in leadership and then a graduate degree in, in management of organizational behavior. Keith um, ended up um, with the call to ministry. We decided that um, he went to a small church and we decided that that's where God had him full time. So he stepped away from healthcare um, and not even renewing a license because he said, I'm not going back, Carmen, you know, this is where God is. This is where God's called mm -hmm. me. So a lot of years in healthcare, the two of us um, growing together, yeah. learning from each other, but um, then probably the most recent, um, it would be three years in April. Well, well God had taken us, um, let, me, let me back up a step. We had kind of been with our local church. Keith had only pastored three, we might as well say two churches. Um, you know, it was a very few short years that he preached. And um, when he told me that he was going to go to, um, was considering taking a church in Raymond, a very small town, a thousand people, small church. Um, I had just got back from a trip in South Asia and um, just the whole concept of village and community was important to me. And I remember telling him, I said, then if you're going to go, let's go, let's be neighbors, let's be community, let's move in. And um, so we did, we sewed our house and, and moved there. And so a few years after being there, um, Keith passed away. So it'll be three years in April that God called him home. And I'm still in Raymond. And um, I guess I should add in there, it was about nine years ago that, well, I'm on my ninth year. God had called me out of healthcare. Um, somebody that used to be a pastor called me to, to join um, Illinois Baptist in a role of leadership development for women. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really what sort of traded sure. my path. So a little bit, I think that's what you're looking for. Just a little bit of the yeah. history there to bring us up to yeah. speed. Well, and just, and, and, in, and in that journey, I guess, talk to us a little bit about like, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned it and, and it's easy kind of quick move to move past it. Um, Keith called, God called Keith out of the healthcare industry into the pastor. Mm -hmm. God called you out of the healthcare industry into this leadership development role with women. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what was that change like for you guys? Cause you were sure. kind of chasing one set of dreams, yeah. uh, in the healthcare industry. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's not like you were, there was some contentment there, but then it got disrupted. So just kind of talk about that sure. transition first for us. Sure. Um, I wish I could say it was real smooth. Um, it was smoother for Keith than it was for me. Um, Keith was all in. Keith um, had an audience of one, and that was God, and totally trusted God to give him guidance. And Keith was all about the one who was the person that God, he was an evangelist, who was the person that God was putting in front of him. Um, with myself, I'd been part of church, but I'd never been any part of leadership at church. I mean, I had been lay leader positions, but nothing, you know, like on staff or anything like that. And so I was still in healthcare. And so my idea by vocational was um, I could help fund the church. <laughs> so I could be the income. And I even went through a job change there um, to, to um, increase in income thinking, and I was living out of a suitcase and a plane on Monday back on Friday. My salary was great and I was miserable. I hated it, hated it, hated mm -hmm. it, hated it. And yeah. um, so it was through that transition that um, Keith, you know, Keith, 
had to have a, a sit down with me and say, Carmen, this is not your place to have to fund a church. This is God's and you've got to learn to receive resources from wherever God's going to bring the resources to do his, to do his work. But it was a shift in mental model. Um, and I thought I was being responsible and loving my husband. Well, even though I hadn't said out loud, I hadn't verbalized a lot of what I was saying. So that led into, um, I'm going to call my personal wilderness experience. We ended up, um, I was very miserable in that job, ended up resigning, done with corporate America. Just, I just, I remember on a hotel room floor in the middle of a nice storm in Charleston, West Virginia saying, God, I'm done. I'm done. Whatever it looks like. I just, I just surrender. And, um, it was a few, it was a few short weeks after that, that, um, um, my brother, um, was living in Lexington, Kentucky, and, um, that was home, you know, Kentucky was home for us. And without going into a lot of details, we ended up going back to Kentucky and, um, through those years or through those years, through those months, there was only about seven of them. Keith and I'd had a mission trip already scheduled to the Dominican. And I truly thought that God was calling us there. And um, I was in the process of looking for a job because that's what you do. I'd quit my job and I'm, you know, looking for a job in healthcare and a little frustrated. But I think the frustration was at myself because, again, I still had all that ownership on my shoulders. You know, the insurance, the, you know, that was my role. And that wasn't my role at all. But that's the way I was seeing it. Look what I'd done to our family. So God was really allowing me, I can, it's easy in hindsight, he was allowing me to sit and stew. But um, at that particular time, we really had no debt because we'd sold our house. I was living in a basement, which I can make that sound like a victim, but it was my brother's house in Lexington. It was a, a, like an in-laws quarters. I mean, it had every yeah. amenity you could want. And yeah. he was in Charlotte, you know, so literally it was a help keeping his house and whatever but I could sound like a victim. But I remember telling God in the midst of that, well, I told Keith when we went to the Dominican, I said, you know, change your plane ticket and stay, stay as long as you need to stay to figure it out. If that's where we're going, you know, figure it out. And um, I, so he did. And I came back and I remember sitting in the basement. I was my own group of one, me and God (laughs) and Priscilla Shire's one in a million study. And um, I remember telling God, I'm like, have you, do you even remember who I am or where I'm at? You know, um, it's like I had no debt. And I remember every amenity I'd want, but all my stuff was in storage. It's like, what happened to my, to my life? And, um, and the exact words I told God, I was like, um, if I was part of a basketball team, not only am I not a starter, I'm not on the bench. I almost feel like I'm in one of those back rooms, the archives that they're scared to throw away because somebody may want. And, and I thought I was peaking. I thought I was doing all the right things, like leading mm-hmm. ladies Bible study and in my work. But in those few short months, what God, um, um, what God did, and you use the word contentment. Um, I knew at that time I surrendered to God. And I'm like, if you've called Keith to preach, then I'm all in whatever that looks like. Um, we rented a house back close to our parents. I remember putting out a Facebook post that I was going to lead radical, you know, David Platt's radical. And I had about 12 ladies just off Facebook come live in a, in a rental house back where we both came from across from the pawn shop. And I don't mean that as a slam, but I'm just saying where we left here, we were. And I remember I couldn't have been any more content in that, in that moment. Literally, that was my word because I'm like, this is enough. I was working, driving to Lexington, working, you know, at the University of Kentucky at the hospital. And I'm like, this is, this, this feels good. This feels good. Um, So looking back, 
I can yeah. tell you, it was, it was a tough transition, but it was in those moments when I got a call for this job too and turned it down because thinking, no, this isn't our plan. And it was Keith saying, um, you got to remember what we prayed for, Carmen. They didn't even offer you anything to turn down. I turned down the interview. I turned down the send in and that's what started the journey. So I wish I could tell you it was really smooth and pretty, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Well, it sounds like it sounds like there was some redefining that went on because um, it sounds like just even what we were talking about earlier about just the, even the idea of prosperity. You know, you could have kept the big corporate job. You could have kept traveling all over the country, um, growing that platform or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, you were miserable, right? Very um, much so. so. Yeah. So the so this so the idea of like prosperity, yeah, financial prosperity may have been there, but doing well, being uh, at peace, I guess, in all aspects of your mm-hmm. life just didn't exist. Um, so, so redefining that and going, Hey, you know what, if working at this small church cross street from the pawn shop, drive back forth to left Lexington, right. this is where it's at. Uh, we're, we're good with that. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then this door opened up for you guys to come here to Illinois. Um, and, uh, just talk about, um, we want you to brag on yourself a little bit because you, like in your nine years working for Illinois Baptist, um, like you, you have taken um, what some other women have done and have laid a good foundation before you, but you've continued to build on that foundation. And so what are some ways that you are learning to um, grow in your work and flourish in your work world? Um, cause you have, I mean, they're just some phenomenal things you're doing, but also be content in the midst of that. Oh, um, I think the thing, and you're kind, you're kind for what you said there. Um, God has definitely been good and there's good people here in Illinois. Um, I would say that, um, when I took this job, I, they knew who I was. In other words, they knew what they wanted. They knew who I was and who I wasn't. And always before I was, you were hired to be the expert. You were expected to have the answers, you know, to, to come fix it. That's what I did. I was the problem solver team to go in when there was a compliance issue or whatever and turn it around. And so um, they knew who I was, which, and I'm a learner. I learned from asking questions, but there was a confidence that had to have come from God, just the way it all, you know, came about that I, I was very comfortable asking questions and um, right or wrong, everything's processes. You just have to watch the way the processes ran. And one of the things I learned from healthcare, if you want to figure out processes, follow the money, <laughs> watch how money flows and you can typically figure out how the processes work or um, what you learn in leadership, how processes got broke over time, um, how this leader might've started it and then they were gone and they come in with a good idea and it started and you have all these fragments. But um, so I just come to the table very comfortable um, asking questions, but I was also wise enough to know my role. And so I wasn't invited to a lot of different tables. And so denominational work was new to me. So what I would try to do is put myself in various audiences to hear the same leader address different audiences, because I wanted to know how are they saying it to this group, to this group, and it allowed me to glean more of a holistic, you know, understanding. Um, but, but, but I can't say enough for the fact that from day one, I didn't come in. I, I come in as a newbie, literally giving myself permission to ask questions. Um, and I and I thought I had a little bit of the vision. I, I think I did have a vision of where they wanted to go. And so um, 
um, we, we were able just to start building and I'm big on relationship building, just where's God working? Who's he allowing you to meet? Just listen, mm-hmm. listen to what people are yeah. saying and, you know, kind of get the question behind yeah. the question. So, yeah. Yeah, it's good. How did you, how did you learn to, um, like be patient, be content, if you will, uh, trust the process yeah. when maybe certain doors didn't open as fast as you thought they should, or you didn't get invited to certain sure. tables as quickly as you thought you should. Sure. Um, there's definitely moments that I operated more in the flesh, you know, so I'm not going to, I don't want to come across like a saint that things would frustrate me. And, um, and I would process with Keith a lot. I, one of the things I've realized, especially since losing Keith, and I don't like to use the word losing, especially since mm-hmm. he went home. Um, yeah. I process out loud and I do that better in the company of somebody that I trust. And I realized Keith was that person for me. So that was a huge lesson that I'm a real big fan on leadership coaching that, um, that, you know, having that safe person to process and ask questions and confirm and affirm some things in you. Um, but so, so I would have said probably the hard moments I'd go home and process and, and Keith was the one that would keep me grounded, like keep your head in the game, um, Mm -hmm. keep your seat at the table and, you know, just enough that basically all he was doing is saying, I believe in you. I believe in you, but more importantly, God has you here. And so, Mm -hmm. so that was a help, but, but by far, by far, the way that my story come about to get here, there was absolutely no doubt. If, if ever there'd been doubt in any other job I'd had, this was the one job that there was absolutely no doubt that God brought me here. You know, I wasn't the candidate, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't, it wasn't on my radar, nor would I have been the resume they would have been looking for. And um, so I hear people say, if you're ever in doubt, go back to your call. And that, that was a clear point for me. So the, the fact that God is sovereign over all, it, it helps me to step back or transcend whatever's looking at me, you know, just to kind of take a deep breath and say, it's mm-hmm. either not, it's either not God's timing, or I might have the right vision, but it's not the right vehicle, or it might be the right vision, but all the supplies, you know, aren't lined up. Um, and so that has helped me be patient and take a, take a step back. But something I learned too, um, you know, working with a, a particular health system is when there's an outcome in mind, I'm an outcome focused person. So if I meet a roadblock, I'm typically, I typically go thinking, don't give up on the outcome. You just got, if, if I can't remove the roadblock, I got to learn to work around it. And, um, and, yeah. and I don't mean this um, to be, um, oh, my heart's right. I say all the time, I'm not being manipulative. I'm being strategic. I got to keep my heart in check. Right. But um, when you produce outcomes and, you know, and you get people engaged, typically the folks that are in authority over you, you know, it's, they, they, when you're taking risks, they're taking risks, you know, they're, they're on the line. And so when you start to produce outcomes and then they get a chance to see your character and stuff too, and how people are engaging, um, it becomes easier than to take the next opportunity. Um, does that make sense? It just gets a little yeah. bit easier. So I would say a combination of all those things, Charles, okay. is where I probably yeah. staked my ground. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Um, let's let's fast forward to today. So um, you already mentioned Keith went home um, mm-hmm. quite unexpectedly three years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of that, you guys were getting ready to start a side hustle. Uh, so un, un, unpack, unpack a little bit about sure. what you and Keith have been dreaming about and, sure. um, 
where that is today? Sure. Um, well, before Keith passed away, um, there was a gentleman in our church that had retired from barbering. He had a little barber shop in this little thousand member town and he wanted to sell it. And he basically just told Keith, Hey, if you know anybody, I think it's time to sell. And Keith was like, well, what do you want case? And he told him, and I was on a short-term mission trip and he texted me. And he's like, what do you think about us buying a barbershop? So we bought the barbershop. Keith was using it for men's Bible study, just outreach, thinking people would stop there and that might not come to the church. And um, it's on a small town, but it's still on more of the common drag, you know, through there. And um, um, we had, we'd sat there, still had the barber chairs and everything and, you know, a coffee pot. That was Keith's place for the guys. We dream, like, what could we do for grandkids, shaved ice, um, whatever. We just go all over the map. But we knew we were committed to the church. We knew a lot of his time was tied to the church. It would be hard to do anything. And then um, after Keith passed away, obviously, here I was with this barbershop, but, but two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, two weeks before Keith passed away, well, you all, um, well, anyway, two weeks before he passed away, um, there was two lots next to it, adjacent to it, and the little village building had burnt. And um, they, Keith had asked what they wanted to do with that. And so long story short, Keith put a bid in on it. And so he bought these two lots with a plan to take the building down. Um, he um, won the bid April 1st, he passed away April 7th. So again, those are defining moments for me to bring confidence yeah. to know God was in it. So yeah. what I did is um, knew the first thing I had to do was get rid of the liability. So my son went ahead and took the lead on getting the building down. And I just sit on it. I would go over there. My mom was still living with me, had some health care needs. I would just go and just, that was my time just to grief and just be on my own, but also asking God, what, what, what are you wanting to do with this? Because if, if the barbershop had just been the barbershop, but it wasn't, it had them lots. And I knew there was a story. So of course we all went into the pandemic and I'm just kind of dreaming at different things. And and I got this idea, Keith and I talked about, well, we could be a little ice cream shop, you know, and so I started playing around with the idea of an ice cream shop. So then I started just saying it out loud to people that should have said, you're crazy, you know, my brothers, uh, my kids, uh, my coworkers, my bosses, my friends, and everybody that should have told me I was crazy didn't tell me I was crazy. <laughs> and, um, and then I just started researching and asking questions and found the ice cream. So May of 2021, I launched Pugin's Creamery. So just a little ice cream shop that I absolutely love to be a platform mm -hmm. in the community and just meet people and let them come in and get to know them. just seasonal. But yeah, so that's yeah. my new venture. There you go. That's really, really cool. That's great. So, so you're continuing to do the women's leadership development. You've got this little side thing going with uh, um, Pugin's Creamery. Um, in the midst of all of that, um, as we as we just continue talking about this theme of um, prosperous, doing well, uh, and being content, um, and how are how are you learning to rest and have seasons of rest? Yeah. Um, except yeah. I feel like. A lot of people are really struggling, especially in the midst of all everything going on with COVID and stuff. Uh, you know, it seems like things haven't slowed down in ways that they should have. Yes. Uh, and so, so talk to us about just as it relates to this idea of being content. How do, how are you learning to rest? Yeah. Um, to me, rest isn't sleep, and to me, rest isn't sit still. Um, mm. I mean, I can handle a little bit of that, but then rest me as being about something, you know, so I might to, to the outward eye, I might've looked like I was burning the candle on both ends, opening an ice cream shop, but that was rest to me because it was a physical balanced with the mental work. A lot of times my job's mental and not a lot of physical. So I've learned to balance that, but, um, 
I'll share, I was, I was with some people yesterday and um, rest to me, and I'll have to point to Paul David Tripp. Um, because it's some mm-hmm. teachings that I went to after, you know, after losing Keith, um, specifically with suffering. Rest to me, it's 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 that vertical rest, being able to trust in God's sovereignty, you know, and go back to the psalm. He's my provider, he's my salvation, he's my stronghold. It's 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 a functional theology to me now. It's legs that I can stand on. So there's mm-hmm. always going to be the unknown. But I can't, I can't, if I speak into anybody, especially younger than me, I said, there's, I just didn't realize how much value there is in pausing. So there's rest and pausing to look back and reflect how God has been with, and he's just, just over the last three years, so tangibly, especially without keeping there, just how he brings, it just blows my mind how, and somebody else may not even notice it, but I notice it because it'd be the things I couldn't do for myself. And before I'm even thinking it, somebody's showing up, like offering it, you know, you know, it's kind of like, what do I need it? And then you need it. So there's that contentment. So that rest to me is vertical. And, um, God provides everything. And so whatever tomorrow brings, because he's got me through yesterday, um, I know he'll already have it lined up for tomorrow. And I wish I could put that into words. It truly is an experience that's new for Carmen over the last three years um, that I don't, I I sleep, (laughs) you know, I don't, I don't worry about tomorrow, even when things look like they may be running just a a little bit short. So I think just in the fact of God's sovereignty, um, so it is a mental shift, you know, to put my mind there. Um, And it, and I think you have to work at it. I think it's something you have to work at because you have to look and and gaze on God, right? Who he is, which helps us identify who we are. But then we have to, when our emotions connect and back to Paul David Tripp, when our emotions connect to a circumstance, we can't live that circumstance based on our emotions. Right. And to me, that's the rest. When, when I realize this is emotions, um, let's, let's pause, but now we gotta, you know, we gotta work through them. Yeah. So it sounds like you're pausing, reflecting, and then trusting, mm. uh, trusting the father that you've got yeah. this. And so yeah. I don't have to, because you do. Right. Right. And Charles, this might be a little bit different direction than what you were thinking, but, um, I'm not doing without, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like, uh, it's not like we're pilfering here, you know, and that's what amazes me, you know, um, it, it just, I really have joy. And when you can, um, I got to be with the church um, Sunday and they were hurting, they'd lost, you know, they just recently lost a pastor and my heart mm-hmm. hurt for them, but I can't explain the joy that I had getting to go be with them. And you almost feel guilty because, you know, they're hurting your joy, but I couldn't not acknowledge the joy because it's such a testimony to who God is that, you know, when you get to steward a scar, you know, to help comfort, you know, somebody, somebody else. And, and so it's not like contentment isn't like uh, meaning you're doing without, you know? And so even like materialistic things, when I just had lunch with a lady earlier today, and it's like, um, I was telling her, I said, you know, last night, so-and-so messaged me. She's out in Phoenix, you know, for a couple months. And she's like, hey, come out, let's go. Like, you know, I think it's time for you to come for a trip. And I was sitting in my living room and I was sitting there literally thinking, I own nothing, none of this stuff. I mean, I have my house, my pugans, but because sure. of relationships and friendships, I can name you like 
eight destinations of people, you know, if you want to go skiing, you want to go to the mountains, you want to go to the beach. And I'm like, that's our God. When we look at the church, you know, sometimes it causes you more stress to own the stuff, to have to keep up with it, than realize it's all in his arsenal to line up when you, you know, when you need it. But I think sometimes as a youngster, that would have been Keith and I, you know, we dreamt like everybody else thinking, what do we have to have? What do we have to have? And someday I'll, um, I've buried enough people now. I'm 55. I've buried enough people now. You know, we buried our two dads and then of course, Keith and then my mom. Um, in Eastern Kentucky, we say you break up housekeeping. We have broke mm-hmm. up enough housekeeping now where you realize that the materialistic things they're just they truly are just just things you know yeah 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 yeah. that's really really good so um just to kind of summarize all that you've said there it sounds like the significance of the relationships um and being content with the station god has you in but really investing in the people um, Amen. yeah that's really really good yeah. cool yeah, the people people are valuable and don't miss yeah. what God's connecting you to. You know, yeah. um, the lady I had lunch with, she was talking about a new job she's got where she's moving. And she said, she said, I couldn't wait to have lunch with you to tell you because it's something you said you could see me in six months ago, Carmen. Mm-hmm. And she was so excited to tell me and I leaned into her and I said, and you know, that's just one title hitting your resume for God to move the next. And she yeah. looked at me like, don't do that to me. I said, this is <laughs> that way. That's what God does. We're on a journey. He never leaves yeah. us as a status quo. It's it's constant movement towards a destination. Yeah, that's really, really good. And so in that movement, our role is to learn to be content with where he's got while we look while we look forward to what could be. Uh, yeah. and so yeah. that's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. That's good. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes of your time today. And uh, we look forward to Pugin's opening back up. Uh, so by the way, when do you when, when do you open back up? When is April when is the 1st. spring? April, April 1st. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's going to be my social uh, media fun. But yeah, but just seasonal. Okay. So yeah, that's my yeah, goal. So absolutely. Let me absolutely. Serve you some and uh, and one of these days, we'll have enough apples to bring you some that you can do something with them at the ice cream shop. So, <laughs> That's wonderful. Know. That's so, wonderful. So, yeah. I appreciate so, you guys so much. I love you guys. Some kind of uh, apple cider syrup or something, you know? Who knows? Yeah, we'll do it so, as a uh, topping. I saw that. There we you go. Know, research, it makes a really good topping for a family. There we go. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Carmen, thank you so much. We're grateful. We love you. And love you. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're very appreciative of the investment just with our own family. Uh, the way you have uh, been a mentor to one of our girls, continue to be that way. And so, um, so yeah. So thanks again uh, for your time today. Thanks. Bye. Bye, Carmen.